Seat yourselves, men and women of planet Earth. Come as you are, from work, from taverns, from study, science hall, and all that exists. Come all who are weary of their status quo, bored, hungry, unsatisfied. Join us today at Conscious Speaks. Hello, everybody. It's Kelly J, host of Conscious Speaks. We have an amazing audio healing experience to create with you today. Spirit-led all the way from Toronto, Canada, Tom Herstad, author of Love, Care, and Share, A Message for All. Now, this is a spirit-led connection, and it's something you cannot make up, right? So uh, much like this show will reveal, all life is, you know, a spirit-led when we're paying attention. So, okay, conscious listeners, I was led to do an introduction uh, this morning, and I wanted to read uh, what uh, the email that I received from Tom, August 7th, 2019. And this was um, how we first were connected. He said, hi, my name is Tom Herstad. I wrote a book about my mother's life after she passed in 2011. The book is titled Love, Care, and Share, a message for us all. It was two months after mom's pa- mom passed that my sister and I were driving through Caledon Hills, north of Toronto, Canada. During our conversation, we were remembering people that spent time in our home Our mother was a widow at 38 with four children, but always had room for someone in need. These were people that came across her path or her children's path. Our spare bedroom was rarely empty. Julie and I agreed to go and find these individuals. Keep in mind that these 18 people spent time in our home back in the early 80s to the mid-90s, and it was now 2011. We made this decision And it took us three years to find everyone and interview them as to how their time with Margie impacted uh, their life journey. Some of them wrote us letters. The book was published in 2016 and is being made into a movie, as I have signed a movie contract with Sunrise Films. This was the result of a director's wife reading the book. I would love to connect with you for a possible interview. You know, I... um, I, when I read that email, I, I immediately reached out. I called Tom, and uh, we had a great spirit-led conversation, and we were supposed to connect Julianne, his sister, uh, and to the conversation and uh, through some other uh, spirit-led things that were going on. We hadn't been able to, but just through email. So she shared some things that she'd like to say about her mother, and I'll share those at the bottom of the show. But uh, when I asked both of them what their intention for the audio healing show with us today is, Tom and Julianne's intention is to express to people why our mother's message is worth sharing, why it is a story worth reading about, and why it is a story worth making a movie about. During the expression of her message and sharing these details of our journey, we will connect with like-minded individuals, communities, and organizations. We want to spread awareness and engage as many people as possible into mom's message of love, care, and share. In doing so, we will raise the conscious awareness for a kinder, more compassionate, and more empathetic world for all. I just got spirit chills. Me too. Me too, Tom and Julianne. Okay, everybody, let's breathe in and then take a slow exhale out and give a warm, conscious welcome to Mr. Tom Herstad, author of Love, Care, and Share, A Message for Us All. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I am doing well. I'm doing well today. I, I, I enjoyed reading your book so much, and um, I've just, it, you, your mother's been with me, you've been with me, uh, the many uh, moments that, that you shared with us were just beyond touching, 
Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. So congratulations for writing it. Um, I know uh, it was a labor of love. And congratulations on, uh, on uh, you know, really meeting your intention at the beginning with your sister was to write a book that would become a movie. Yes, I did. And we did. <laughs> we had made that uh, declaration very early. Uh, it was during that drive uh, that I referred to in my initial email to you. Uh, Caledon is about an hour north of Toronto, Canada, rolling hills. And as we drove through the countryside, we were remembering people that spent time in our home. And we, our list uh, totaled 18 people, as you said. Her and I decided to make a decision to go and find them. And I said to her that day, uh, there's a book here, and I think there's even a movie. Mm. And shortly mm. thereafter, maybe a week later, I was alone one night, and it was early morning, and I got on my mother's Facebook page, and I wrote, I'm going to write a book about your life. It's going to be a movie one day. And that remains on her Facebook page today. It's such a powerful intention. Um, the Ever since I met you and I started talking to you and through Julianne's um, communications, also through reading the book and just really diving into it, there's so much intention throughout the book. And, and, and when we set intentions, we really do become powerful co-creators. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me the most this morning, though, it came to me through spirit was, you know, what has come to me more than anything in our journey since I've really, you know, started reading about your and your family's journey is that, Love connects through synchronicity, or as Margie calls it, God incidents. You want to share a little bit about that and maybe your um, fondest or biggest synchronicities? Yes. Um, yes, the God incidents is what she would refer to. She said nothing is a coincidence. It's a God incident. It's leading you in the direction of your path. Be open. Get quiet with yourself. You have an inner voice. Listen to it. Uh, after the interviews were done, um, there was uh, a three-week period that I had 68 pages completed. Uh, I would write in the middle of the night. Um, I have a loft at the top of the house, an old farmhouse, and the four walls were pinned with the stories in pink paper because that was Mom's favorite color. I rearranged the stories and also pulled stories down to know that I had to... Uh, put more detail into the, each story as I was collecting them and putting them together. Something inside of me, my inner voice was telling me I had to go away. And we, we did. My youngest sister, Julie, and I, who did the interviews, decided we would go to Cuba to breathe some more labor of, some more wind into this labor of love, <laughs> as well as I had to contemplate, how do I get a book published, edited? Uh, I've never done this before. I also realized that I had to make a decision to finish something I didn't know how to do. Right. And that was big. That's big, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I went to the airport to get on the plane to go to Cuba, I was sat directly beside an independent publisher, writing coach, best-selling author. We got into a conversation about halfway through the flight. Her husband is a, a uh, life coach. He weighed in. And... Um, we had a beautiful conversation for the last half of the flight, and that's when she became aware of the fact that I'm not just a lighting designer, but I've 
written a 68-page draft and was looking at finding a way to get it published and edited. We parted ways down there. They went their way. I went mine. The following week, I get back on a separate plane, and I was sat directly beside the same lady again, and I realized through conversation at that time that she shares the same birthday as my mother. Right. <laughs> Got incidents. <laughs> God incidents. And she said, I love that word, God incidents. How, how did you find that? I said, my mother used it often. I'd never heard and it as before. A result, <laughs> as a result of the conversation on the way home, she agreed to um, to help me publish the book and uh, edit it. And uh, I took four months off of my lighting business, and that's when it was completed. Um. I sent her the draft when we got, when we landed in Toronto, and uh, it was 16 days later that she made that commitment to me, and she said, this is a story that needs to be told. Uh, there's a lot of challenging time. This is a challenging time. Uh, there's, there's a lot of darkness out there and uh, discourse, and these bright stories are, uh, are ones that need to be told and shared. And... Uh, yeah, that's that's how the book got published. I know. I you know you you can't make this stuff up. It's just a sequence of God incidences of these um, love connects with through synchronicity the like energies. I mean, when you're painting the picture of you, you know, in your loft writing the book, you know, I love it. You have to make a commitment to finish something you didn't know how to start, and uh, um, I think that that's just such bravery. And and it comes through in the stories reading about your mom and your father about how, you know, it's, it's simple to see how you have that bravery because you were, you were coached it from them. I, I see both of your parents as, as spiritual, um, you know, and really big spiritual beings before their time, like in the 1950s, as we discussed, it was just like the, the conversations they were having with you to share with you and show you life through the eyes that they saw through, um, were really powerful uh, way shower tools and and it's so instilled in the love that I feel for you for your mother and your father and it's a great story to share because I think you know not everybody and everybody grows up with that same experience and every family has ups and downs but the connection that you know you have with both of them is so strong and I see the picture I mean even that you picked pink paper to draw her story on because that's her favorite you know, those those moments of taking everything to that finer detail of further that you go to really shows through in, in the in the book. Anybody who's out there listening, everyone who's out there listening, um, the the book that uh, Love, Care and Share, A Message for Us All, written by Tom Herstad, it's available on Amazon.ca. That's for Canada and on uh, www.tomherstadbook.com. Um, the book is, uh, a, I loved it. I couldn't put it down. And when I had to, I wasn't really happy. So um, the book is, I see why it's going to become a screenplay and um, a movie. And I'm just thrilled for, for the whole process. When you think about the story, you know, tell us through your eyes how the journey of awakening of writing the story came through to you um, as a transformational process for you as well. I came in the middle of the night um, after I'd made that commitment. Uh, and I think your your listeners are, are the type of people that can hear this and have an open mind to it. I think at some level, our mother has agreed to do something with us, and it's this project. And uh, the path has been, has been uh, laid out. Um, we've been 
uh, made aware uh, of that direction and just been open and patient. And whenever I got discouraged or the ego would try and tell me, you can't do this, I would go to nature. I'd walk by the water or, or through the woods um, and just wait for the next sign. Uh, and I bumped into people where the conversation would come up and they would give me some fuel in, in what they said to me or in the reaction to, to something they thought while, I, while we were talking about this project. So many people have helped us get here. I'd like to share a couple stories in the book uh, with your listeners now. Um, yes, yes, please. I went, to, I, I went to school in Rochester, New York, uh, three hours away. I was away my first year in 1983. I came home uh, at the end of my first year. So I've been away for nine months other than the two days at Christmas. And I walked into the house. There was nobody around. Walked through the kitchen down the hallway to my room, and there was ladies' clothing all over my room. I turned to walk out of my room. My mother was walking down the, the hallway from the dining room towards me with her index finger on her lips saying, Shh, I need to talk to you. And I pointed to my room and I said, what's going on in there? She said, her name is Barbie. She needs that room more than you do right now, and I'm not moving her around. You got your first year under your belt. Your grades are up. You're on your way. This girl is not, and you and I have an opportunity to do something about that for her. Know that I love you, but you need to make a decision right now. Is it the spare bedroom or the couch that you'd like? And she gave me a big bear hug. I took a spare bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> who, was, who, who was Barbie? Barbie was her cousin's daughter. My mother said, we have a collective consciousness. When you think about somebody more than two times, call them. She hadn't spoken to her cousin in over 20 years. She thought about Irene more than twice. She called her. Irene said, Margie, I can't believe you've called me. I'm desperate. My husband is dying of cancer. He's an alcoholic. He's taking it out, uh, verbally abusing my youngest, and she's suicidal. And my mother said, put her on a bus. I got her. That's who was in that room. It's just amazing. She, uh, yes, she uh, she went on to uh, be a prop specialist in theater after she regrouped. Another story I'll share with you Please. is um, in 1984, my mother was in Toronto, and she locked eyes with a homeless lady. She walked over to this homeless lady, and she said, excuse me, dear, what is your name? lady said, my name is Rosie. My mother said, Rosie, you're coming home with me. She brought Rosie home to our home, and she went into the spare bedroom for about three and a half months. This was over Christmas. Now, Rosie had lost her teeth to poverty. She was on the streets for over 20 years. She was nervous laughter all day long, probably the most laughter I've ever heard in our house, <laughs> although we did have a lot of laughter. <laughs> Rosie got a full set of teeth for Christmas that year. Rosie smiled for the first time without being conscious of her, of not having teeth, self-conscious. So she sat us down at the kitchen table before she left. 
she said, your mother has given me two gifts far more important than these teas. She's allowed me to witness your relationships and feel a part of a family. I've never seen this before. Mm. The second thing she's done is your mother's taught me how I can love myself exactly the way I am. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I think of the stories. Those are two that really stick out to me as well. And and there's numerous other stories. But, you know, it makes me think that uh, the quote that Margie, you know, loved to say, and it says, we are the hands and fingers of God, but we have to make a conscious decision to use them. And and she made so many conscious decisions to help others and instilled that within within her children and also helped teach other children or people that didn't have these skills or the ability to love themselves, how to do that as well. Um, it's just, it, it's it's beautiful. And to watch and to read the book to realize it's a real story. She's a real woman. She had her ups and her downs too. But to see it through the eyes of her children um, and to have them show that there can be so much grace in in awakenings that it doesn't have to be loud that's what i got from margie the most is it was a quiet beautiful um she had the strength about her but it wasn't intense it was always quiet when she taught you you know when she would tell you to you know to be gently right that was one of her words she would use for you yes it was gently (laughs) whenever she knew that i was upset about something or i was um committed to, to something I wanted or discouraged and expressing it, she would just look at you and um, she would say with her eyes first, but if you didn't get it, she'd say, excuse me, gently. Mm. And um, she, she used silence very often because um, sometimes all you need to, to do with somebody when they're going through trouble times in their life is just let them know they're not alone right. and you can do that in silence in a, in a great way she, she used to use that it makes me think of the uh, story it was just her way yeah it makes me think of the story where she came to sit next to you on the bleachers after your hockey game when you were 12 would you want to share that with the audience yeah sure uh my my, my father passed when i was 12 and um he had a heart attack while he was driving the car our mother had to steer the car out of oncoming traffic down a residential street into a house and pull him out of the car on her side and start CPR. They were with a doctor and his wife. So the doctor took, the, took over, but he was gone at the scene. Um, and that year he wanted me to, to play for a particular hockey team in Toronto, which I didn't want to play with. I ended up playing with the team I wanted to, um, after mom helped me convince him to let me play where I wanted to play. And uh, so he had passed that, that winter and didn't see me play that season out, but we won the city championship. And uh, after the final game, I uh, walked up into the stands and I sat down in an empty stands, because I could feel them. And she watched me from the bottom of the bleachers, and she left me alone for a while, maybe two or three minutes. And then she came up, and she sat two seats to the right, and she said nothing. She allowed me to have that presence with him and know that I'm not alone. 
And uh, that was a very special moment for my father and I, as well as my, my mother. And, uh, yeah, she was very aware of uh, how she could help somebody. And she responded to something inside of her that's got to be from the divine. Yes, yes. I feel that. Um, I feel that in you. I feel that in her. I feel it through reading the stories about your father and and. And just the way the family was so connected and and that these um, these good golden rules, these Margie's principles that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show out there, listeners, um, are just so powerful. And, and, and they're tools that, like, Tom and I have had several conversations that, you know, we know about them, but it's time for us to start spreading this message. It's time to start showing the mothers who went up, you know, above and beyond and who um, have been silent leaders and um, this story really, really encompasses it. Uh, it, it, it. It was meant to be. I can't believe that it wasn't all meant to be exactly as it happened when I read the book and the way that I believe and think. And that's one of the things that really I loved about your mom immediately uh, is that I felt like, ah, this is like everything she was telling you from a young age, I believe now. And I learned it a little bit later. But, you know, she taught you that we're all spiritual beings here and to have a human experience, right? That we're, we're not our body, right? Um, and that, you know, I, I think I think when she said, uh, what did she say? That we're, her, our bodies are a bag of bones. There was a prayer that she talked about. Do you remember that? When I'm gone? Yes. She, she used to say, your <laughs> body's a bag of bones. And when, you, when your spirit leaves your body, it goes back. Our spirit is everlasting. It just changes form. Yeah. And um, it's, it's everlasting. She'd say... We're spiritual beings having human experience. That's why we don't know how to be angry, frustrated. Um, we don't know how to deal with anxiety. We, the big one is betrayal. Right, and deception. Um, we've never had to experience these emotions, so we're not any good at it. Mm-hmm. And, and she made us aware of that at a very young age when we were having trouble. She'd say, be patient with yourself. You don't know how to do any of this. I know. Right? And this is in 1950s, this <laughs> is in the 60s. It's like, it's just to me, I wish this would have been the, you know, we had the beavers, but it should have been the Herstads. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been, well, <laughs> I just, that one, that, I mean, that's definitely, we could do that right now, right? That we might need to add that to your, to your repertoire. <laughs> the Herstads. But she did it with, she, she helped, she helped the animals as well. Yes, I'll she did. A couple stories. Yes, please pretty, do. Pretty light stories. One one animal was um, a hen that she called Henrietta. Henrietta the hen. <laughs> yeah, and Henrietta came up the driveway. Um, we don't know if Henrietta fell off a farmer's truck or came across from a farmer's market. All we know that this hen came up the driveway one morning, and Mom saw the hen, went out, opened the gate. The gate went, uh, the hen went into the backyard, beautiful pool area. Um, complete with diving board and a slide and babbling brook coming through the property and two big, huge weeping willow trees, beautiful setting. And this hen nested at the back left-hand corner of the uh, pool area, started laying eggs. And of course they weren't fertilized and they would spoil and rot. And we'd have to go out and, and re, you know, coax the hen with, with bread out of the nest so we could uh, bag the, the eggs for disposal. 
Then one morning, Mom is looking out in the backyard, sees Henrietta sitting on these eggs. <laughs> she says, someone has to take me to a local farm. And we got in the car and we went to a local farm and she came out with three or four fertilized eggs. We went back to the house, got the bread, coaxed Henrietta out of that nest, changed the uh, unfertilized eggs with fertilized eggs. And it was pretty comical what happened in the next <laughs> couple weeks, I guess. It makes me cry, the, but it is comical. <laughs> Henrietta was just strutting around the backyard, leading her flock. Oh. And what a wonderful thing to do. This, this, this poor hen was lost, or, and mom took her in and, and, and helped her be a mom. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I, I was crying when you were telling the story because it is so amazing, the connection and how she could give that to, you know, Henrietta the hen and, and, and that how animals are, are part of our collective conscious and healing and, you know, they're just as special little souls like we are in and I remember reading the book when um, Henry, when it was time to go, your mom was like, well, I guess it's time to go. I, she was um, she was a, pa- a pet of mine in a past life, and we had something we had to work out, and she's done her thing, and she's on down the road. And everyone's like, okay, it's time for Henry to go. <laughs> uh, can I- yeah, one, one weekend I came home from school, and Henrietta was gone. God, just- and I said, Mom, where's Henrietta? And she said, She's moved on. She's moved on. <laughs> and then very, very quickly, um, she said, I believe Henrietta was the soul of uh, a hen I had down the East Coast when I was three or four years old and they went missing. And she just came to drop in and say hello. Yeah. She's gone. I just... She might be back. You never know. <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I, I want to share one little story about animals, too, because your mom has definitely worked with the humans and the animal kingdom is when um, there was a story when some kids rode by, it was back in the day, and people would shoot mailboxes, and there was a big hole in your mailbox, and uh, some blue jays ended up nesting in there. And do you want to tell that story? Sure. Um, so we lived in the country at the time. It was Second Line West, the, the, the road. And that's the name of the movie is going to be Second Line West. The screenplay is completed. We'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, but so somebody came, came down the street uh, with a shotgun blast through both sides of our uh, our mailbox, a big mailbox hanging out uh, over the, the driveway, the end of the 80-foot driveway. And um, birds ended up uh, nesting in there. Uh, we had uh, had a conversation with my mother at the kitchen table saying, when are we getting the mailbox uh, replaced? And she said, there's birds in there. Um, I've had the local post office hold the mail. I don't want them disturbed. <laughs> so I'm picking up the mail until uh, they're finished uh, nesting, and then, then we'll figure it out. That was one of the things she used to say. Is if she didn't know what to do in the future, she'd say, we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, when the birds are gone, um, we had another conversation. What about this mailbox? And she said, well, that's their spot now, and they're going to be back next year. So... What else do you have to talk about? Exactly. I love it. I love this. I love this story. <laughs> oh, oh, listeners, this is a beautiful story. This book is more than what you'll ever think when you pick it up. I highly recommend you to read it. Um, we're going to take a short commercial break here. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Tom more about Love, Care, and Share, a message for us all. And we have some really cool things to talk about Margie's Principles. Uh, the butterfly contest I want to talk about and definitely 
Second Line West, which is the movie that's going to be coming out. So stay with us. Margie was a widow at 38 with four children, but this did not stop her from helping others on their life journey. Her spare bedroom was rarely empty. After she passed away in the summer of 2011, her son and daughter decided to go and find 18 people who spent time in their home over a 15-year period starting in early 1980. It took three years to find everyone and interview them. Some of these people also wrote letters on how their time with Margie imparted on their life. Her message is in every story. Love, Care, and Share is authored by Margie's son, Tom Herstad. Tom has been bringing physical light to homes and businesses for many years and is now bringing transformational light into the hearts of families around the world with Margie's message. One woman who made a difference in numerous lives. Love, Care, and Share is about a lady who has a message for us all. Links, Amazon.ca and www.tomherstadbook.com. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back, everyone, to Alternative Talk 1150 AM KKNW. This is Conscious Speaks, and we are live every Thursday with Kelly J. That's me. And if you are just joining the conversation, we are talking to Tom Herstad, author of Love, Care, and Share, a message for us all. I just wanted to share a little bit about Tom today, too. Tom was born and bred in Toronto, Canada. Tom has been an avid hockey player, coach, passionate outdoor adventurer, cooking over campfires and enjoying the 30,000 islands of Georgia's Bay. Yeah, throughout the last 25 years, Tom has had a profound impact on the people he has dealt with in business and in his personal life. You know, he wrote Love, Care, and Share, and it's about a lady who has a message for us all. He's a torchbearer. He's carrying on his mother's message. And I love this. It is also stories of what he has learned over his five decades. He would like to see more people look deeper into their own lives and see what they can do to experience more happiness and fulfillment. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. Great to be here. Good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You know, we were talking about uh, about at break that it's about showing that, you know, what Margie did is something that a lot of women are doing. Um, and, and there's men out there doing this, too, but we're focusing on mothers today out there doing the same work. And that they, a lot of them don't know. Um, they f- might feel alone that there's not, you know, that no one else, the family's not supporting them. You know, you were talking about a story um, that Laura shared with you when you met Laura. Yes, Laura was when I was had just completed the 68-page draft. She's actually a customer of mine. I'm a lighting designer. And um, we just finished doing a service call on her exterior lighting system, and uh, she was writing me a check on her front step sitting in a chair. I was standing, and she just kind of slumped over. And she was getting emotional, and I said, uh, are you okay, Laura? Um, she said, no. She said, I don't fit in around here. This is a, it was a very high-income area that we were in. Um, and Laura was reacting to something that happened that morning. She was at a commencement uh, gathering for her uh, daughter's graduation at their local high school. And, and it's, 
you know, it's an uppity area. There's a lot of money in this neighborhood. And Laura was sharing uh, a story about two kids that are staying in her house right now, or at that time. And one was um, a, a girl that was best friends with her daughter that was struggling with a cocaine addiction. And uh, another person that was staying with them was a, a boy, a friend of her uh, son's, who was trying to push to go to a particular university and uh, was challenging his parents and they threw him out. And she said, you know, the people around here just think I'm, I'm being taken advantage of and that I'm stupid and that I'm, I'm, I, I'm too giving and I, you know, I don't, just don't fit in. And I said, Laura, you're doing what we're supposed to do. Yeah. We're supposed to react that way. Uh, um, you don't uh, you don't have to justify yourself to anybody. You're like my mother. I'm just writing a, a, a draft on a book that I want to publish about her life, talking exactly about this. And that's how our mother took care of others, not just our family. And I send you the 68 pages. It was really rough, but I knew that it was the right thing to do, and I sent it to her, and she called me, and she said, you've just allowed me to understand that I don't have to justify myself to anybody. And now I have the ability to have a relationship with your mother and know that I'm not alone. And I'm going to take care of whoever I want to take care of whenever I want to do it. And there's a lot of people out there that are like that. We're not, we're not weak, not uh, too giving. We're not being taken advantage of. Um, We're supposed to respond to people that come across our path with empathy, compassion, understanding, or just be silent and let them know that they're not alone. Right. Um, I remember uh, I remember in the book they'd say that your mother had a way of um, when she would look at you, she would hold you like with her eyes, with her presence, with her love. And everyone felt completely heard, understood, and um, a lot of people felt love and, and compassion for the first time in their life. Yes, I think my sister wrote that those words. Um And this is very much a family effort because Julie and I uh, did the interviews together um, and uh, the energy of this project is hers and and mine, getting it to uh, screenplay. Uh, Julie was involved in the original writing of the screenplay. Um, And getting back to Laura, Laura's um, husband, has helped finance the screenplay because uh, right, after right. his wife read it, he read the book and said to me, this is a message that needs to be shared with the world. And as you alluded to at the beginning of the show, uh, a director's wife read the book uh, as a result of me being mistaken for somebody else. Right. <laughs> uh, I got I got into a conversation with somebody who thought I was somebody else and asked me what I was doing and I told them I was reading a book before it goes to its first the proof copy before it goes to its first volume print and he said tell me about your book and he said oh I'm a writer I write sci-fi we get into that conversation and then he says after I told him about the book he said that should be a movie I know a director he's too busy you can't get to him but if we can get it in the hands of his wife and she likes it who knows this should be a movie he said well that's what happened Paul Saltzman uh, has been involved in 300 movies Uh, 72-year-old director, producer, Sunrise Films. Uh, Julie and I went and met with him. He said, it's a a female lead. It's based on a true story. These are bright stories in these challenging times. 
these stories need to be told. This has got to be uh, something we move in the direction of, better stories, bright light. Mm-hmm. And he said, but I'm too busy. I've got too many projects on the go. And um, But I'm here if you can find financing. I'll counsel you. I'll introduce you to my entertainment lawyer. I said, Paul, how do you find financing? He said, just put it out there. Right. We left his house. I thanked him for his offer. Four months later, um, Laura's husband was able to read the book, and that's when the finance came to the table. Tom Schlesinger, master storyteller, been involved in many movies. I think he's got a 28-year career in screenplay writing. Uh, He coached Julie on the original screenplay to bring the daughter's energy into this project, which is important. Right, yes, yes. And um, she did an amazing job. Actually, they told her it was the best screenplay they've ever read from somebody that's never written a screenplay before. I know. I'm so happy for her. <laughs> <laughs> so then Tom Sussinger took the, uh, the screenplay over, has made some refinements, some adjustments, some changes. The movie industry will do that with a story. However, Julie and I are both participating in the production of the film as executive producers to keep it as close to the truth as possible because this is, again, about a message. It's not about showing something. Right. Although that occurs. It's it's uh, but it's gotta be close. Very, yeah. very close to the truth. And and it's gotta and it, and we're we're very uh, blessed to be a part of it and to be a, a part to be involved with people that allowed us to be a part of it. And well, uh, yeah. we're in financing right now. We're in for final financing. And uh, any of your listeners out there are interested, um, Paul Salsman, the director, uh, we have our pitch deck now. We are in full finance mode on production, and we hope to start shooting in the spring of next year. If our next dreams come true, we're going to have some big names involved with uh, the character of Margie and another character <laughs> supporting <laughs> cast member is, is Jake the Snake. He's a biker. It just keeps um, growing and getting better and better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a real roller coaster of a ride here, and um, it seems we're just uh, we're getting more momentum all the time. Again, it's a story that needs to be told. Um, there's something that I think but, as, as, as there's something that stands out to me too, and I want to say it's like I just want as you were talking about earlier that these are all things that you know we're doing naturally or we should do naturally, sticking up for each other, defending, um, helping a hand. Uh, help, giving a helping hand when we can, being loved when we can. And and, I, and and it comes back to our intentions, right? You set intentions at the beginning of your journey with Julie sitting in the car going, we're going to write a book, a story about our mom. It's going to become a movie. Okay, so, the, I mean, that's an intention that you didn't just say. You said it. You declared it. You wrote it on your mom's Facebook page. You and your sister worked for three years to go and meet all these people. You reconnected with all these beautiful souls, really brought the love back to the surface to bring Margie back to the surface for everyone. So it created this momentum. And that momentum created all these connections. And, you know, it's and it started before that. It started when Margie was 11 years old and had to get her first job in a cannery to help support herself and her, right, and her family when her dad left. So it's like if we do, if what I just think if we could hear out there, if we always do the right thing, right, if we always do our best and try to do the right thing, our, we don't know when our story is really going to be told. And it's one of those things where it, it could, you know, you might not be here when, when the, the big, you know, fireworks go off. 
but your children and your grandchildren will. And, and the people that, you know, you're connecting to and Julianne connected to to create this movie, to create, um, you know, what's going to be an amazing movie. Right? You, you staked, when you first talked about it, you said, I want this person to be, you know, play Margie, right? Um, it was never, there was never nothing left out. And I, that's the power of intention. And I think that you you can speak to that in such an eloquent way because you're proving it with every step that you guys have walked to, pr- to promote and to bring your mother's story to life. And I just honor both of you. I know Julianne can't be here today, but she did send us, she sent me an email and um, she wrote some things that she, and she would like to me to read out on her behalf. And she said, when you met Margie, you don't forget her. Her eye contact could hold your weight. That's what it was that was coming to me meaning she was able to support you in your weakest moment without words. You don't forget her warmth or her motherly energy, which you may long for, that you'll miss, or that you may have never received. Margie is available to all of us through our sharing and knowing that she's working from the other side. As a child, when afraid, she would tell me to surround myself with white light, and she would do the same. She still does. People who have read this book tell us that they feel like they know her and even miss her after completing it. I can honestly tell you that is a true thing. I, I, I mean, this woman is very, very powerful, I, and I, I'm keeping her with me, too. <laughs> I love you, Margie. <laughs> I, every day I'll just ask myself, what would Margie do? <laughs> yeah, I've got a book review that says um, everybody should have a Margie in their life, and thank God for this book. Now we do. Yeah. Right. And that was the power of a family. That was the power of generations. That's the power, you know, and Margie wouldn't have been here if her parents wouldn't have been here and their parents. We're all connected. You had a quote that I love in the book. You said her positive influence, empathy and compassion were her natural currency Were her natural currency. Yes. Empathy, compassion. When I re- mm. well, when mm. I heard that, actually, that 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 was what she did. And that's what she taught us was her natural currency. When this book, when I, when I really got flatlined for a little bit and I was wondering what's, what's going to motivate me next, I heard Jim Carrey do an MUM University commencement speech 2014, and he said, our most valuable currency is our, our effect on other people. When I heard that, when I heard that come out of his mouth, I made a commitment I'm going to finish this book. This, wow. Because that's the truth. Yeah, right? Thank right. you, Jim. It's, and we get those little spiritual, I call them defibrillators. We get them in our, out of the, just come out of the blue and all of a sudden we're resurrected, right? That was your resurrection moment. You're like, oh, there it is. Bam. Heartbeat. Back to life. Yeah, it's got, it's got to go. That's, that, that's when I booked my flight to Cuba. <laughs> I love it. When I heard him, when I heard him say that, I said, I'm going. I'm going to follow whatever it is that's telling me to go. I could just cry because literally just this whole experience it just it just so many synchronicities and so many people doing what they can only do and and being who they came to be coming in at the right moments to make love currency that's what i like to call it out there the love currency happen and we're switching it you know the vibration is switching people are coming out of the woodwork people are opening up and sharing their stories margie was a healer and a spiritual woman um living her path and sharing wisdoms that um people still don't know a lot about but are learning more about these days but she did it in a time that was unconventional i would think i mean we've always had light workers here but to have to have that strong base i, I just feel so certain that 
everything that you intend is coming with a whole line of angels and guides behind you to make this effect happen so we can tell planet earth you know that people are we're all valuable there's a story um that your mother told your son about um about because he is half is it colombian or dominican his mother's from trinidad trinidad so he's uh, a lot of he's half black and white and uh he's he was three and uh she sat him down i remember in the kitchen yeah she was living with me at the time there were some challenges in our family and um she told him that uh, he is the color that everybody is going to be one day from extreme black to extreme white and all the colors in the middle. When we meet in the middle and we will, we will be the color that he is. And she called him her golden boy. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. as he was walking out of the room, she said, by the way, you know, the people spend money in tanning salons to look <laughs> the way you do. She's just so amazing. You know, I, I just, I love her. I love Margie. <laughs> Her, her, her. I, I, I mean, I loved everything. The pictures that you put in the book, um, the, the smile on her face, uh, the way that I could feel her through everyone's words and stories. Uh, you know, it's so amazing. I wanted to share a couple more um, lines that Julianne wrote here. She said she isn't just ours. She is a mother to many others, and she could be motherly to any soul out there finding this human experience arduous. She taught us through example that came from an inner wisdom to work on forgiving self, that mistakes are inevitable. No one is immune. If we don't go within, we go without. By going within, you find your wisdom, the connection to consciousness. By just being love and listening, we can be of service, especially when we feel low. By being connected to the earth, to water, to the sun, we restore inner love. And by loving on animals, we revisit our own childhood innocence. You know, it makes me think of um, that moment you had in the Grand Canyon, um, the one you shared about in the book. Would you like to tell about that? Yes, I went to the Grand Canyon. There was a time, and it was it was as this book was calling me, before I made a decision to start, there was something inside of me, and I wasn't sure, and I was going through a bit of a change um, in my relationship. Um, and I, something was calling me and something was eating at me and I wasn't sleeping and I was beside myself and I just didn't know what it was. And I had to go and just travel and let it come out or just get away from where I was for, to be in a new place and just continue making new places. So we traveled across the U.S. I have a trailer. So we went to St. Louis and then crossed the Grand Canyon. My son and I we came along for the half of the trip great time for them to connect together too because he had just finished high school um we got to grand canyon and, and the majesty of that place is just overwhelming and when you see it it changes you and photographs don't don't touch that uh, you've got to go there um i was walking along uh, the southern rim for about a two hour the first morning by myself just feeling as insignificant as a grain of sand on the beach is but it's also totally connected as a spiritual being having a human experience at the same time and you know walking with this grin um and this this um this emotion came over me um it's it's you know we have these moments where we feel more alive than than ever before our minds get so busy we just don't uh we don't tap into uh living and and realizing our life um, but there's those moments or when you're listening to a song, 
you hear the words for the first time and you've heard the song for years, you know, there's a, there's a consciousness that's occurring there and there's, and you're ready and it's this time and you hear the song and you just, it impacts you and you can't believe that you've heard this song so many times in the past and you've never got it. That's how our life can occur. You know, we got to slow down. We got to be aware that we're not our thoughts. We're somebody having thoughts. Yes. Um, and then we got to choose, you know, uh, the best path we can for ourselves. And if we make a mistake, I'll share with you. I, this is in the book. I went to my mother once. I made a big mistake in my career. It didn't have uh, much integrity in it at all. Uh, I went to her, and I, it, I, it was gnawing at me. I was, I couldn't sleep. It was a year after I made this mistake with my partner, and and I dishonored our our relationship. And I went to my mother knowing that I had to tell somebody I had to get this burden off my back. And I knew it was her. I could have told a friend and, but that wouldn't have been the same thing. I went to her and I said, I've I've got to speak with you. There's something I need to tell you. And she looked me square in the eye and she listened to me and she didn't interrupt and she didn't react to anything that I said. And when I was finished, she looked me even deeper and she said, is that everything you need to say to me? And I said, yes, it is. And then she paused and she said, you could never tell me anything that would change my opinion of you. Right. Know that I love you. Forgive yourself. This will open your path. Now go and do better. Mm. So beautiful. So powerful. She healed, she, she healed me in an instant. In an instant. That burden had, was gone. I was free again. It's so amazing. I was like Jerry Maguire in that car <laughs> after he saw Cooch, and he thought that he yep. sealed Cooch's deal, and he's he's got his fist pumping out the window. I was doing that on the way away from free, her house. Yeah, singing Free Falling by Tom Petty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that moment. I love that moment. Oh, wow. You yeah. know, it, it's, it's just so amazing. We could talk for hours, and I know that because there's so much here to share. This has been a wonderful show. I just want to make sure we... I want all the listeners to know that the, what Tom has done and Julianne for their mother and the story and the legacy to show how to love, share, and care is really amazing. And this is like, we're going to start a movement, a Margie's movement. And I really want you to think about just, you know, first of all, honoring yourself. You know, what Mar- Margie says, to love another is actually a gift I give myself. So when we love ourselves, self-love, when we love ourselves, when we forgive ourselves, when we heal ourselves, we love others. And that's the light that she showed and she shared. And that's being showed in this amazing book. I encourage you to go buy a copy. You can buy it at Amazon.com um, if you search Tom Herstad or Amazon.ca for Canada. It's also um, a wonderful website. I encourage you to go to the website, www.tomherstadbook.com. And there's a really cool contest there called the Butterfly Contest. And there's, I'm going to let Tom tell you about that real quick. We got a couple minutes left. So the butterfly contest is there's a lot of people out there that uh, have wonderful stories and uh, I'd love to hear them. Um, people that come to mind uh, as you've been listening to this program that touched your life or somebody in your life that touches lives. Uh, if you wanted to share those stories with me, um, I'm hoping that the next edition will be love, care and story share. Mm. There's a lot of bad news in the world. There's a lot of tragedy. Uh, it's hard to watch the news. I don't watch the news. I've watched it in three years. But 
these are positive stories. This is not tragedy. These are positive stories that give us energy. They, uh, they make us feel good. They, uh, they can change our mood. They can change our day. Um, the world needs more good stories, and I know they're out there. I just hope they land on our page. It's a butterfly uh, contest, and um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the, again, the book is lovecareandsharebook.com. And um, thank you for saying that, uh, you know, we can start a movement here because we've seen that from the beginning. Actually, the director and screenplay uh, writer said this is not just a movie. This is a movement. I agree. There's more people out there like her, and there's more people out there that want to hear stories like this. <sighs> Perfect, oh. perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know it won't be the last. I just want to end before I say my goodbyes with a quote by Tom Hurstead that I love. It says, people do not leave. They, um, they leave a part of themselves within us always. And so um, please remember that our loved ones lived on within, within us, that we could share their stories, carry on the torch. Everybody who's out there listening, thank you so much. I'm so lucky to be able to bring on my guests and share with you all of our beautiful stories. I'm blessed again. And, um, you know, thank you, Alternative Talk Radio, 1150 KKNW, Marilyn Milano, Eric Ryder, my producer and engineer, Don Avery and Larry Mitchell for permission to share rapidly approaching ecstasy in our shows. You can find their CD on Amazon or donavery.com. Remember, love wins when we choose it, everyone. And that's a circle. Love and namaste. Kelly J. Thank you for joining us today at Conscious Speaks Radio, a place where we come together each week to discuss the mysteries of life, the light and the dark, the sweet and the salty, the divine mysteries of being human, a place where we mentally hold hands, naturally gravitating to each other through the cosmic airwaves of space and time, knowing like bees to honey and goodness, this is a place to take comfort in the knowing that it is from and through each other that we grow in our greatest leaps and bounds.